The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, and 24-7 support. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GUARDIAN to get 10% off. The Guardian Books Podcast with Claire Armistead. As the season of literary log-rolling draws to its close, we take a satirical look at eight of the year's big books with The Guardian's John Crace and try to digest what they reveal about the state we're in at the end of 2013. Today's digested read is The Quarry, the final novel from the much-loved Scottish writer Ian Banks, one of a succession of literary greats to die this year. A live wire to the last, Banks announced that he was terminally ill in April, three months before the novel was published. Most things fit into some sort of spectrum. Mine stretches from highly gifted in some people's eyes to nutter in others. I'm comfortable with that. I know I'm clever. So how are you really, Kit? Holly asks me. Hall thinks I don't understand emotions. She's wrong. What she's really asking is how I'm coping with the fact that my father, Guy, is dying of cancer. And the answer is that I'm looking okay for now. Hall has known my dad since the 1990s when they were studying filmmaking at university. As were Paul, Pris, Ali, Rob and Hayes, who have also come up to visit us for a final reunion before Guy croaks. It's quite nice they've all made the effort, and it's entertaining to listen to them competing with one another to show off their film knowledge, but I can't for the life of me work out why no one has made the obvious allusion to Peter's friends, as this is precisely what the setup most resembles. I can't believe Boris Johnson has been elected Mayor of London, fucking right-wing friend of Rupert and Bullingdon Bully. That was Guy speaking. He likes to have a little rant. While I've got your attention, there's a couple of other things I don't understand. Guy says I was left outside his door when I was a baby, with a note telling him to look after me. But he has never told me who the mother is, though he has suggested it might be Hall, Pris or Ali. I can see this might add a bit of suspense to the story, but I'm not sure why I haven't pressed him for more information before. After all, I am 18. I also can't understand why I'm so uncurious about this film they're all looking for. It's a film we made as students, Paul says. And if anyone else were to find it, our lives would be ruined. This strikes me as a fairly extreme statement, and one worthy of further inquiry on my part. And Paul isn't the only one to say this. Over the course of the weekend, they all say much the same but I can never be bothered to press them on the obvious question. What's on it? Perhaps I have a talent for deferred gratification. No matter. The weekend is quite fun. We take coke, smoke dope, look for the film, and Hall watches me play computer games. Then Guy comes into my room. I'm fucking dying, he says. I know you are. I mean, I'm really dying not just as a character in a novel. That's a bit shit. If I'd known, I would have gone out with more of a bang. This novel's just too small, something I was writing for fun. I should have signed off with a big statement. I wouldn't worry, Guy, 
All those critics who ignored you for so much of your career and who were decidedly sniffy about your sci-fi stuff will be falling over themselves to say what a great writer you are once you're dead. Guy comes down a bit and I go for a walk. Our house is on the edge of a quarry and is about to be knocked down. I guess I don't need to point out the symbolism. I find the tape on a ledge about three quarters of the way down the cliff face. It's a sex tape, I say. Yes, says Paul. We all made a porno film together. There's even a dog in it. Only there isn't, because Guy has recorded his last rant and testament over it. I won't miss the god-botherers, the Tories, the hypocrites who ignored me when I was alive, etc, etc. You get the picture. That's about it. The weekend ends badly, with a fight. But then these things often do. And it turns out that neither Hall, Pris, nor Ali are my mum. There you go. So that was The Quarry by Ian Banks, as digested by John Crace, who joins me in the studio to defend his irreverent coverage of somebody who is, was hugely revered and died in the same month that the book was published. I know people find this hard to believe. You know, some of these digested reads are written with affection, and this is one of them, because I think that Ian Banks was himself irreverent. And he would have been amazed and probably slightly appalled by the way people were kind of fawning over him and his career after he died. There were sort of critics queuing up to laud him who had done nothing but trash him for about the last 10 years. I mean, this book here, I mean, it's a slight book. It's it's fun, it's readable, but it's not a big book and it's not a great book. And it was very much reviewed in the papers as if it was um, a great, great, brilliant work. And I think the problem is that we don't know how to talk about death, really. You could argue that one is Beth less saying nothing and that a person's career is only really kind of understandable, say, five or ten years after they've died, because then there is time to kind of review and reflect, and that or maybe all it's appropriate to say when someone has just died are the kind of nice bits. But I think this was an unfortunate coming together in that he died at the moment that the book was published. And there was a kind of feeling that the book and him were inseparable. They were inseparable, though, because this is a book about somebody dying of cancer written by an author who discovered after he'd written the first draft that he himself was dying of cancer. It's really on the edge of things, as, as our reviewer in The Guardian said. Um, yes, but I think the important thing is that he started writing it. He didn't know he was dying of cancer till then. And it gave it an added poignancy, but it wasn't started as a great, this is my last will and testament, as it were. It was just going to be another book you know, until he did the next one. You know, he didn't imagine this was going to be his sort of epitaph. I mean, there is an added poignancy from that, and there are very poignant moments in that, in the book. But 
I still don't think it's his finest work. This is Ian Banks writing, not Ian M. Banks. Ian M. Banks was the science fiction writer who created, among other things, Use of Weapons. You have a little nod at his science fiction in this piece. How do you think the two Ian Bankses compare? I'm not a kind of expert on his science fiction, but people I know who are into science fiction think that his science fiction writing is fantastic and was perhaps better than a lot of his other fiction. But I think, you know, the critics were decidedly sniffy about it throughout his career. He would often write one Ian Banks and then an Ian M. Banks and whatever. And you could see that the sort of literary pages would sort of give a big build-up for the Ian Banks and then sort of draw back for the Ian M. Banks and then come back again for the Ian Banks. And I suspect I did the same because I can't remember, but I don't think I ever digested an Ian M. Banks, but I certainly did an Ian Banks. So I'm guilty as charged here as well. You said a bit earlier on that it was fun. Surely that's not the right word for this book. It's it's quite grim, isn't it? Uh, you have this this quirky persona of the, the um, autistic teenager, which is quite familiar from his early work, such as the, the Wasp Factory in a way, a slightly odd, an oddball teenager. But he's observing the death of his father. Maybe we have, I have a very kind of bleak, dark sense of fun. But I think the whole book was permeated with a kind of, there was a sense of regret and darkness, but there was fun. I mean, I think to sort of take the humour away from Banks is to strip him of one of his prime assets. You know, that's what made so many people love him was his kind of sense of humour. And the fact that, you know, when he was dying, he put that notice on his website it wasn't kind of really solemn it's sort of whoa things are getting really kind of scary around here and it's why everybody loved him he wasn't po-faced about it and he wouldn't have you know he wouldn't want a sort of massive state funeral for him or his work ian banks who was born on the 16th of february 1954 and died on the 9th of June, 2013. The Quarry is published by Little Brown. The digested read digested is Guy's Friends. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag-and-drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today, no credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.